This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. And if Sportsbook is not available in your state yet, you can still get in on all the excitement. Everybody can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contests. Draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. And DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your money whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Use the promo code ROAM, throw down 5 bucks on UFC 273, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code ROAM, R-O-M-E, this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook. The official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 plus, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I was a driving range in uh, it was Randall's Island, me and Tiki Barber. He said, what are you doing? I said, man, I'm a little pitch and putt. And he said, hey, you can exhale. I said, what are you talking about? He said, we finally got you a full-time job. Oh, I said, who? He said, CBS Sports. Oh. They just got the NFL back. The NFL today on CBS. You're going to be their NFL insider. I said, oh, my God, I'll take it. And he said, don't you want to know how much it's for? I said, I don't give a f- <laughs> Cracking. Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast and welcome to episode 216. Now, if you missed last week's conversation with former NFL quarterback Alex Smith, let me just say you jacked that up pretty badly, but it's okay because you can always go back for it. And I would recommend you do just that because Alex was open and honest and raw and the chat that we had was way bigger than just football. And I would say the same exact things about this week's conversation because my guest is Fox Sports NFL reporter Jake Glazer. Jay has built an enormous following and an outstanding reputation as one of the biggest grinders in breaking NFL news. But right now he's trying to make an even greater impact by sharing his personal struggles with extreme anxiety and depression. And so far, he is absolutely making that impact both inside and outside the NFL. And as you're about to hear, it has even played a pretty significant role in the Rams' run to the Super Bowl. So let's not waste any more time and get right to it. It is episode 216 with NFL insider Jake Glazer. It is tremendous, and it's critical, and it's coming at you right now. So, Jay, listen, first of all, much respect and appreciation to you. You have written an amazing book called Unbreakable, How to Turn Depression and Anxiety into Motivation, and you can too. Let me start right here, Jay. First of all, Jay, how you doing? How are things? I'm doing good, man. I had a, actually, last night I had a pretty bad panic attack as I went to bed, and I'm like, man, this sucks, but uh, I know now to kind of reach out to my teammates instead of hiding it, so that's good. And yeah, today, uh, look, one of my best antidepressants to go work out, so just got done training. I'm doing pretty good, man. And, and, you know, every time I post one of these now, it just, man, just the, 
the being of service angle for me, it's huge. So it kind of fills, fills me up from the inside out. I got to tell you something right now. That answer that you just gave me, we could do an hour on alone. There is so much good stuff in that answer. And I want to follow up on this. But first, I want to ask you about the book. Why did you decide to write the book? And then, Jay, what's it been like to share with the world a battle that has been so challenging that you have kept private for so long? So the book for me, people have been trying to get me to write a football book for years. And I didn't have an interest, A, all the stuff that I know, I'm not looking over my shoulder for the rest of my life. <laughs> I wasn't interested in that. Um, but, you know, B, you know, this is something like, man, mental health, we talk about it these days, but nobody describes it. Nobody gives it words. And I like to kind of be the first in doing things. And I think in this way, for the everyday person, it was like the first to, to really give it words to be able to have this conversation with people. And look, God blessed me with the ability to communicate. So I was going to use that to, to help a lot of people out. And for me, getting through my own gray, my depression, anxiety, I've needed a team, whether it's been my fight team or my Fox NFL Sunday team or, you know, the charities. Um, but this is, was a way for me to kind of have teammates everywhere. And as much for everybody else, for me, that I needed to get lifted up in that way. And like for me, I mean, Jim, you and I have known each other for a long time. And it used to be, you know, the brand was Jay's crazy. And that's a badge of honor in football and fighting. What they didn't know is how much pain I was always in. And I don't know if I was able to communicate it even to myself all these years. Um, and not that I was, not that I was ashamed of it. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I was, I, I, I'm trying to dive into that. Yeah. But we weren't, we didn't have the form. We weren't comfortable to come out and say this. Listen, my first panic attack was 2005 when I was alone in an empty Raider stadium. Like there was no cameras on me, nothing. I have no idea why. And it happened every week of my life since, but back then we didn't talk about this. So I thought I was having a heart attack and I got, I was getting my heart checked out for the next 10 years and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. Well, because I was having panic and anxiety attacks and I wish I was able to say this now back then. So I didn't have to, it, it, it was painful going out alone all, all these years. So I guess that's why I wrote the book. So I don't have to really do this alone anymore. Um, and other people don't either. You bet. This book is called Unbreakable. You know, Jay, to the point that you made that it's not something that we ever talked about, and especially in the world in which you live and in which you work, you know, combat sports, NFL, you work with vets. You mentioned gray, like you write in great length in the book about living in the gray. For those who do not know, what does it mean to live in the gray? And then what's your gray? So gray for me is depression, anxiety. And, and by the way, like if I'm going to do something, I got to go big. So I got ADD also. So, so like, <laughs> let's do it all. Right. Um, my guy. But it's, and then people say, well, when, when did that start? It's my earliest childhood memory. Like, I don't have any other way of viewing my life. And, you know, unfortunately, it led to a lot of self-loneliness. And you look at it and go, what are you talking about? You're beloved. Like, man, and like, my life is great. Don't get me wrong. But, but the way I, I process self-love sucks. Like, between my ears, it's terrible. And I've never felt worthy of being loved. So even though people love me, I don't feel it, which sometimes I feel bad for this guy I'm sitting here with and, and me. Um, so at an early age, man, and this is an everyday thing. So every single day of my life, I wake up in the gray and it's on me to fight to get out of it. 
So when I say this, like I wake up most days and man, the sky's falling. The world hates me. The universe is against me. And logically it makes no sense because those aren't true, but it's how I feel. And the bad days, I feel it physically. I feel it um, on the left side of my gut. I feel it in my joints really bad. Like I just got done training for five hours in a cage with Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell and all these guys were my training partners, but it's as if they just beat me down for the last, you know, half a day. Um, and, um, and I feel it behind my rib cage. I feel it, like I said, like I'm having a heart attack and it's hard for me to breathe. And, and now that I pointed out, my friends could kind of almost tell too, because my, um, my lungs get a little bad. My, my talking becomes a little harder. Um, so that was me for all these years, man. And it, and it still is. And it's an everyday thing. And I talk about motivating me because there's two ways I can go about it. When I tell you it sucks every single morning to wake up with this, it is, it's debilitating. Like it's hard to get out of bed every day. And a lot of it is, man, I, I just don't like, why would you want to get a bed when you think that nobody loves you or this, this, you know, the universe doesn't love you. Um, so as a result of that, I make myself get out of bed and I use it for motivation because I can't get that love from the inside out. It's motivated me to do all these great things to get love from the outside in. And that's where I've kind of used it now to my weapon, use it to my advantage. All these years, dude, I felt cursed. And now that I'm able to do this or everybody else, it's kind of like, you know, this is the last line of the book too. I don't want to kind of give it out, but um, maybe God blessed me with depression and anxiety. Huh. Hey, you know, the very best athletes know that your championship body is not built in a single day. Well, the same is true when it comes to long-term financial goals. Get financially fit with M1, the finance super app. It is commission-free, and it makes growing your money easier so you can strategize for the end game. Build a custom portfolio or choose a pre-built portfolio that speaks to your goals. Then automate your everyday money moves and use your extra time to watch the highlights. They even make it easy to stick to your investing strategy by automatically rebalancing your investments every time you buy into your portfolio, keeping your investments close to where you want them to be. That way, your portfolio sticks to the plan for the long game. There are no huddle-ups necessary. Do this. Visit m1finance.com sports. That's M with the number one to sign up and see why money, Investopedia, and Yahoo Finance are all proud super fans of M1. That's M, the number one, dot com slash sports. Investing does involve risk, including the risk of loss. M1 Finance LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. It's not an easy thing to do, but what you've been doing and trying to do is to convert this into fuel, to use this, to flip it on its head. But Jay, like you said, I mean, people who know you and even those who don't know you but watch you know that you are an enormous energy guy. You're a huge personality. How have you managed to frankly mask all this pain all these years while living a very public life? Because I created that character you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I created the glaze, you know what I mean? Where, yeah, and I have to laugh. That the laughter gets me through it. And the more I can be that character, the less, the less I'm stuck with my own thoughts. Like, Jim, man, those 10 minutes I lay my head on my pillow at night freaking suck. Because I'm stuck there with somebody in the skin. I'm stuck in someone's skin who I just don't know how to like or love. And it's so weird because it's, it's such a... It's, it conflicts so badly when I say, like, 
I feel like I deserve to be loved, but I don't feel worthy of it. So it's, yeah, talk about, you know, a conundrum there. Um, so I've had to build that, that character up and it served me really well. It really has. And again, if I didn't have this depression, anxiety, I wouldn't have built that character up where, and I was the first minute by minute breaking news guy in the country when that internet thing came out, which is going to take off one day. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think there's a future in that. I, I'd, buy, I'd buy stock in that shit. We should. We should. But, so I did that, right? I was the first host of an MMA show in America. Um, created the first MMA training program for pro athletes in this country. Uh, did a lot of firsts, you know what I mean, because of this, because this, this character I've created. But now it's time to kind of sit with this, the real me and start to heal and start to learn how to heal. And the other thing I really want to do is – Mental health is so damn reactive, right? So we all go to therapists when the sky's falling. I want to start making it proactive and making it part of our daily routine, whether it's meditation or a therapist or something along those lines, because that's the only way we're going we're gonna to make it. It's the only way we're going to get out ahead of this thing. And that's where I'm trying to take that stigma away. And listen, this book is for not just people like me with, who are clinically diagnosed with depression and anxiety and bipolar and AD and everything, um, it's for everybody because the world we live in today with social media, man, it makes us all think our lives suck or we see so much hate online. We're not conditioned to deal with that. So this is for everybody to kind of give a guide through that gray, if you will. Or we just came out of a pandemic. We were told to socially distant. We we're told to isolate. It's the worst freaking thing you could ever do is isolate. Mm -hmm. And so we all have something, some, some shade of gray we have. This is a guidebook for you to get through it and to use it, but also like I dive in so deep to give it these words. So people have the conversation, but I make you laugh your ass off along the way. Cause I think if you laugh, you can go deeper into the dark stuff. I think you're right. I think that there are so many different shades of gray. I think we all have it. Follow me on this for one minute, Jay. Like the genesis of the conversation you and I are having right now is this. You and I have known each other for years, but it was a mutual friend of ours, Ed Milet. Now, Ed and I are having dinner, and you know Ed. Ed, Ed not only knows anybody and everybody who matters, he coaches some of the most prominent people in the world. And literally, one of the first people he brings up to me in this conversation is, is you, he says, because he knows that we do similar things in terms of content. He says, have you talked to Jay Glazer on your pod? I said, no. He said, why not, brother? I said, we just haven't yet. He said, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you have to do this. And that's enormous praise. He could he could mention one of a million people, but he mentioned you very quickly. So I watched the conversation the two of you had in preparation of this, and I thought the two of you had a great, great conversation about what you just mentioned, social media. Jay, to me, because I live in that same world as you, social media is either the best or worst thing in the world. It literally is both those things. But you and Ed had a really interesting conversation about something that's come up before, and what I'm getting at is this, the comparison game in your mind. And we all play that game. How dangerous in your mind is that comparison game? Extremely, and that's the thing. We're comparing ourselves right now to everybody else's filtered fraction of one second of a day and we're going damn how come our meal doesn't look like that why are we left at that party like my life is unbelievable and i feel left out i mean hell the rock did my forward and even the rock's like oh man this like are you kidding me it, but it's not real they filter it it's not real but it's you know with that especially kids nowadays think how left out you got to feel everybody's feels left out no matter what level you're at and then the other end of it, like I just talked about Twitter 
and the hate we see. When you and I grew up, man, we got bullied on a playground or beat up on a playground or somebody else, your friend of yours did. It sucked for like two weeks, right? But now we're seeing it a thousand times a second. The human condition is not meant for that. And that's where, you know, I started doing these social media posts where I'm saying, hey, I got a book coming out, but I don't want to wait for the book to come out. I'm going to start using social media to take you all along this journey with me. And I'm going to be real and raw and vulnerable. And when I'm having a crappy day and the sky is falling on me and caving in, I'm going to show everybody what it looks like so they don't feel alone. That's the way we could use social media positively. Or I said, hey, if you have an idea or a good thing happening to you today, drop it down in the comments so you could have new teammates here and we could walk this walk together. That's a good way to use it. Um, or to get a message out, like you talked about Ed, it's pretty cool getting messages from Ed. Like I, I now get a lot of messages from people um, who are going to kill themselves. And then they read this book or they heard these posts and they're like, I don't feel alone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get help. I'm chiming in. I'm going to talk to people. It's been incredible. And Ed wasn't prepared for that, I think. And look, I'm, I'm used to it because of my MVP charity um, where we, you know, help lift each other up. A lot of veterans and, and athletes in this foundation that, that we started, I started with Nate Boyer. Um, they have, we've had a lot of people that attempted suicide before and now it's not an option for them. So I've kind of, I don't want to say used to it, um, but I think Ed wasn't. And it was like, oh my God. And he was getting all these messages of people saying, my God, it's just, you know, now like my son or my daughter, I can get help for them or I could have a conversation. And that's been the coolest thing with this overall is messages on social media there instead of ones which, you know, talk all sorts of crap about me, which have happened a lot. It's these other messages of, hey, I'm a, you know, I, this is the first time I can, you, you're giving me words to have the conversation with my wife or my kids or my daughter or my son, or I mean, I even have grandmas say to me in the first time in 80 years, they have the words to discuss what they've been going through with their husband and kids and grandkids. And like, um, it's just been, that part's been pretty damn cool. And that, I think that's what, what Ed's talking about also. It's been pretty special. Oh, it's that's how social media should be used, man. The other stuff, how do we not think our lives suck when we're comparing ourselves to somebody else, somebody else's moments that aren't real, that have been doctored? When we're comparing ourselves to something that's not real, and then when we're not doing that, we're reading about how much we suck. That, right. So how would you not think that your life sucks? You know, oh you mentioned, you mentioned, right? You mentioned Nate and, Boyer. And by the way, yeah. people think, oh man, you got money, you got rich and you're, you're fame, you deal with it. No, hey man, my wallet is not an antidepressant. And I've been on both sides. Jay, of Jay, 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 say that again. Say that again in case they missed that. My wallet is not an antidepressant. And I've been on both sides. For people who go, oh, you're, you're in your, no, no. The first 11 years of my career, living in New York City, I was making 9750 bucks a year trying to get a job as an NFL insider, which there just weren't too many of us back then. Um, and there weren't opportunities because there was no internet back then. 9750 bucks a year deciding which bill am I not going to pay this month and get my electricity turned off and my heat. And I've been on the other end. I've went from broke to unbreakable. So I get both ends of it. Neither place, you know, again, if I, if I can't get that value, but regardless of either place I've been at, the mean crap people say to you, man, it hurts. It's not even for me. Like I'm a tough, I'm a bad SOB. That crap hurts, man. It, it gets me. And, you know, I do have a, a big heart that's already wounded. 
So when people say that stuff on Twitter, I like, uh, you know, people, a lot of people say, oh man, you it, it's part of your job. No, 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 no. Part of my job is to entertain y'all covering the NFL and MMA and, and a show like Ballers. That's my job. My job isn't to take a bunch of crap from people who just want to, you know, it's just want to kind of, you know, shoot arrows at us. That's, that's not my job. It's not any of our jobs. Who are miserable. You know, it's, yeah. it's much easier to talk shit and spew venom than it is to actually do the work and try and improve yourself. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? And that's what I mean. It's both the best and worst place in the world. It's the best place in the world when you open yourself up and you start to share what's going on. And then people come in droves and say, oh, my God, thank you so much for putting words to that or putting a picture to that or explaining what that is. I didn't know what that is. And now I'm having a much better day or things are getting better as opposed to fuck you. You suck. Right. You you don't know what the hell you're doing, you know. So it's the best and worst. The crazy part for me, I would never hate it until I started hosting the UFC. And I had a couple fights and I've coached, I don't know, thousand pro athletes in, in MMA, me and me and Randy Couture together. Um, And people just murder me how much I don't know about it. And what a, like, Oh my God. Like, and I was like, that's really when kind of Twitter started taking off. I'm like, I, man, I don't have the mental health capacity for this crap. And it was just, it was terrible. And look, um, I was gonna say, I'm not complaining, but yeah, I am complaining. Like we've got to figure out a way to shift. And that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to use my platform now to show people this is what it's supposed to be for. We're supposed to be connected in a good way, but it kind of goes back. There's a line in the book. And this is where I think the the hate comes from. There's a line in the book that I got from Sean Payton. And his line is hurt people, hurt people. Ah, yeah, that's so good. That is so good. Yeah. And that's what Twitter is. That's what social media is. People are hurt themselves, so they just want to lash out at others, and they don't want to be the only ones who were hurt. And um, and I feel for everybody who does that. We are in a lot of we're in a lot more pain now as a society than we've ever been. Be- a lot of reason because of this. So that's man. It sometimes it takes one person to lead the charge. Sometimes that charge gets led. Sometimes it doesn't. But I'm going to try, and that, that's what I'm trying to do. It's an amazing thing. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned Nate Boyer. Nate hit me up today. Nate hit me up before, and he said, "Brother, I'm so." pumped that you're going to talk to jay later on today so nate cool. he he definitely is that guy he's actually he, here at my house right now just so i'm going past uh uh luckily for me for me he was fully clothed this time so there you go good dude <laughs> good dude so I mean, jay, to go to lunch. Hey, what an amazing thing like do you ever did you ever in a million years like when you're like just grinding oh and by the way was it hard to live on 9750 dollars a year in new oh. york city was that a problem so and that's the thing um, because I, I, when I walked in that giant locker room in 93, which was four years into me starting in sports, um, man, I was like, how could I be different from everybody else? Like, that's my secret to success is one of them is be different. Another one is find out who the best is and do more than them. So I looked and said, those reporters work 40 hours a week. I'm going to work 100. I'm not going to work by a little. I'm not working by a lot. But as a result, I couldn't get like part-time jobs to pay my bills. So that's where... 
man, the first guy I ever met covering the Giants was this big, goofy guy with bad teeth who grew up in Germany, uh, who is now the king of daytime TV. Me and Strahan just lacked, we just latched on each other that first month we met each other because no one really talked to him because he was the second round pick who was supposed to be their next, you know, pass rush specialist. By the way, Lawrence Taylor was still on the team. So it wasn't great. And for me, none of the other reporters talked to me. Michael and I latched on each other and thank God because he drove me back into New York City because I didn't have enough money for bus and subway fare both ways. He drove me back into New York City every single day from 1993 to 1999. Hmm. Incredible. So, yeah. With, so I own like 28 grand in Lincoln, Lincoln Tunnel fare. But. At least. At least. <laughs> so like like to that point, Jay, it's an amazing story. An amazing story how and you guys came together. How, we, by the way, we talked about it the other day. And he's like, you know, you look back. How did you pay your bills? I'm like, no idea. Because the other thing, too, is I wouldn't take money for him or anybody else. Uh-huh. I'm going to do it myself. So I don't know how I paid my bills. I know I, I would get... So the 9,700 was what I knew I was getting. And I know I'd get like little other freelance work and stringer work and anything I could, but the stuff I've done, I mean, dude, I interned at Lifestyles with the Rich and Famous. Remember that show? Oh yeah. With, uh, right. I wrote, and I don't even think he knows this, but I wrote his little radio jingles for, for Costas Coast to Coast for a guy named David Blatt, who helped me get my start, who was a producer at Fox, CBS and Fox, for like 10 bucks a jingle. And I forget how many there were, but it was like, I got like, you know, 300 bucks or something like that. Like, so I just, I had to grind so much for those part-time gigs also that I could still do while I'm out covering the Giants or you know, Tuesdays and Saturdays, which no one was at the stadium those days. All right. So here's the thing. I want to make, I want to make this point. And I want to be very careful how I make this point because I don't want to say you and I are one and the same in this regard. Like I never lived in New York city, much less for under 10 grand a year. However, however, I think when you or I, where you and I are similar, you're an East coast guy, I'm a West coast guy, but we both kind of came at it the same way. We had to fight our way into and then grind it out to stay into, to climb up the business. And I think that without either you or I articulating it to each other, we figured out the same thing. What is our separation? What is our separation? Wait, maybe we don't have any great separation except for this. We know we have to be different and we know we have to outwork everybody else. It goes a long way. So my question to you is, okay, that's great. That's fine. Everybody's got that theory until they get punched in the face and they get their ass kicked. My question is, what kept you in that fight for 10 years? How did you keep going? What did you tell yourself? It's the fight itself, right? So you just say, because the way we, we fight also, like our fight team, um, we don't really hunt the wins. We just want to make it such a bad day for you. So everything we do is go forward. We go forward. We go forward. We're relentless, 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 relentless. Same way I fight. Same way I do the insider business early on. Same way I do business. And we just keep going and keep going until somebody goes, oh, my God, get him off me. I'm done. So you're going to kick my ass for the first few rounds. But I'm just going to keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And most people don't sign up for that kind of fight. And But, you know, Jim, you've done the same thing. It's exhausting. So we have to be willing to, you know, again, not just outwork people, but outwork them by a lot and be willing to get punched in the mouth over and over and over and over. So, you know, you get asked me the question. Again, those first 10 years, man, 11 years, it was it was brutal. It, it's There's a lot of rejection there. So not only was I trying to be, you know, the best reporter that there was, but then I'm trying to scream it from the rafters. So everybody knows it was me. And then I'm trying to get a full-time job. So that in itself is a full-time job. 
and I got turned down and rejected over and over. Like I've gotten rejected more than anybody I've ever met in my life. And it was interesting. Like I, I'm a big spiritual guy. I'm a big God guy. And um, I would sit there every single week. I, I like read little things and there's something in the, you know, the, the 10 commandments. I literally would take this literally the fourth commandment says God commands you to take a day of rest. And like, by the way, and like drink some wine. So like, don't threaten me with a good time. And <laughs> right. uh, so for those 11 years where I was making, you know, where I was just so broke and, and just grinding, getting rejected, I didn't look at it like I had 11 years worth of rejection. What I would do every week is I would work my butt off those six days and I'd literally take a Sabbath every week. I'd say, okay, I'm going to exhale. I'm going to rest my body, refresh my soul and Anything that happened this past week, all the rejection, it's done. It's over. It's kept over here. It's over. And every week I would say, all right, God, I'm not asking you to get me a job. And I'm not asking you to get me, you know, get me, get me some money. All I'm asking you is that you pick me up, brush me off. And let's keep walking this walk together. And so I looked, so I had 11 years worth of one week rejections. So I had to play those mind oh, games. Yeah, yeah. I right? love that. That's so good. And, and, and I tell you what, man, it, we have a couple of times in life you really find out who the, who the fuck you really are. And, you know, like I said, I walked in that giant locker room in 93. I said, man, how could I be different? I'm not going to do it like everybody else. I'm going to start relationships. I'm going to outwork everybody here by a ton. And, you know, 11 years in, I finally get a call from my longtime agent who, man, I, it took me so long to find an agent. Everybody turned me down. And uh, I was at driving range in uh, it was Randall's Island, me and Tiki Barber. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, man, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here just a little pitch and putt. And he said, hey, you can exhale. I said, what are you talking about? He said, we finally got you a full-time job. Oh, I said, who? He said, CBS Sports. Oh. And they just got the NFL back. The NFL today on CBS. You're going to be their NFL insider. I said, oh, my God, I'll take it. And he said, don't you want to know how much it's for? I said, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> the best. It validated me from when I said all those years, like, I'll be the last dude standing. I'll just keep going until I get this. And Jim, if it took another 10 years, man, I would I, I would have done another 10. And, and I would have because the motivation, exactly what I said earlier. I needed something to make me feel loved and valued and worthy on the outside because I just wasn't capable on the inside. And now a message from Discover about customer service and common sense. Listen, when you have credit card questions, it is nice to have them answered by a real person. You know, somebody who can actually understand your issues and work to resolve them. In other words, what you don't need is a robot. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24 and 7. No wonder we call it live customer service. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Discover. Gee, I'm, I love that story so much on so many different levels. And like I said, I, I could do an hour on that in response alone. But look, I'm not a mental health professional, and I'm so glad that me we're neither. having a super. So me help me, help, but I want to. I want you to help me with this, and I'm sure that you're working on this. But this notion of you know you have so much external love, but you're learning to love from within. Is it? Are you hardwired this way? Why do you feel like? Why is it so hard for you to love you? I just want to. I'm trying to understand that. Yeah, me too. That's yeah. what I'm doing. That's the work I'm doing. I, I, when I have the answers, that'll be the next book. But sure. it's taken me 50 years. I don't have the answers. And it's the only, it's the earliest memory I have. Like earliest childhood memory. And 
again, I don't know if I was born with it or whatever it was. Um, I'm looking at, you know, childhood trauma, all that, whatever it is, that's just it's how it's been my whole life. But now I'm on this journey where I can go find this out and I can work on things and I'm not going to do it perfect. I'm a fucked up, flawed human being, but now I'm good with my fucked upness. <laughs> It's tremendous. It's tremendous. You know, you mentioned, I'm, I'm picking my spots here, but you mentioned Michael Strahan. You guys have famously been best friends for years and years and years and years. Did he have any idea what you've been dealing with? When did he realize the depths of your pain? Three months ago. Three months ago. And you've been yeah. friends with him 30 years. Yeah. He asked me why I haven't told him. And I was like, I don't know. Like, for whatever reason, there are certain people I just, I did feel ashamed with. I don't know. And I think because he and I just competed so much, um, and you've been around Stray and I, we fight like crazy, right? We're we're stepbrothers before they, you know, in the early part of that movie, <laughs> right? Right. So, no, we are. Yeah, we're like the Hansons from from Slapshot. He and I, <laughs> people used to be mortified. Like Michael, I will go out and we'll. Oh yeah, we'll grab each other and. Oh yeah, it wasn't pretty. Um, but yeah, for some reason with him, and others. But I, I'll tell this for everybody else out there. His reaction, once I did tell him, and the reaction of everybody I've, I've confided in or I've opened up to, not one person has called me a fucking wuss. Not one person's told me to suck it up. Everybody has had compassion and want to learn more. And um, it's gotten me closer to them. And for anybody else out there, if that's not the reaction of somebody, then you don't need those. The, those people as part of your team if they're not willing to learn and open their minds. And that's, you say like, I, I'm not a therapist. Uh, and a lot of people now are reaching out asking me for like personal help with that. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm fucked up and flawed too. I need help from people. I'm just trying to open the conversation for all of us and connect us all. Um, and I still got to learn from others. So yeah, I don't know why with him. It's so funny. Like the guys I used to really open up to were the guys I would fight with. And we would be in a cage and do heinous things to each other you know, choke each other and slam and knee and elbow and kick and punch each other. And then, man, we'd sit around the mats after and we would cry to each other and be so vulnerable. And I think that's why I wanted to be a, a force in this, Jim, is because no one's questioning my manhood, right? So I could be out there. No one's going to say, oh, Glazer's saying this. He's a wuss. It's just not the case. So I, I think we needed someone, like, at least for me, I wanted – Yes, yes, I'm, you're I'm a, you're yeah, a great a voice. You're guy. a great voice for this for that reason. Is way stronger, right? What is? I said I'm a physically strong dude, so no one's going to call me a right. What's doing this? But the vulnerability has been really the, the true strength of my life. Stronger than muscle, no doubt. Not even close. You know, it's for so long. For so long, Jay, that was the whole thing. Like, nobody, we never talked mental health because as athletes, you're taught from day one, grind it out, grind it out, suck it up, don't complain. Somebody else will do it if you don't do it. And then I remember when it first started to come up, even as a topic on the show years back, I remember I didn't know enough to know, but I knew enough to know that this is not, mental health is not something you will yourself through. It's not a matter of not being disciplined or focused or wanting it enough. It's so much bigger than that. So now you have these conversations. And nobody's saying you're a fucking happy. I just want to be happy. Yeah, right. And, and by the way, some days, like if I'm in the blue, great. But but again, it's just just like the physical part. Some days you're gonna feel great in the gym. Some days you're not. Yeah, but the right? thing is, you don't know day to day, right? You have no idea. No clue. 
Right. I never know who I'm going to wake up with. Uh -huh. um, and that's that's the other thing. Like sometimes, like I said, I went to bed last night. This 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 is the first time. Actually, this is the first time this has ever happened to me. Went to bed last night and I had a panic attack. Five minutes after I laid down, started watching TV, just hanging with my dog. So that was the first. I don't know why it happened. No clue. And, and people also say, oh, there's got to be triggers. No, I don't know why or what. And like, not the dog, dude. You love the dog. It's not the I'm, dog. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm like, I'm in my happy, peaceful place last night. And so I don't know why they come. Um, and again, I've had one every week. I've been on TV since 2005. But that, that to me is strange because I love being on TV. Like I'm great in chaos. I normally suck in calm. So I thrive in those, those chaotic things. And that's why I have another reason I have those five or six jobs going on at one time. Because I need that chaos or that character we talked about. Because the calm is when the roommates in my head really talk, uh, really right. talk, talk bad. To I was going to say, Jay, am I wrong? But it's like when, we, when we're not active, when we're not yeah. active, we start to ruminate, right? That's when yes. you're sitting around, you start thinking about shit. And it's not good shit either. No, it's never good shit. And, but that's the thing, like, like Jim, and people at home listen to this, like, why wouldn't we be thinking about good shit? Look at our lives. They're great. And why can't we, or we're talking about me here, but the two of us, why can't we? condition ourselves to just think about all the good stuff. Our, our brain just doesn't let us. Right. I, I don't know why that is, but it doesn't like, you and I should be sitting back constantly going, man, look at we, all this great stuff. And again, cool. our lives are great, but that's not where we go. We go to the stuff we haven't done. We go to the things that we haven't accomplished. We go to the places that, you know, we failed or the, the bad things I've done where I have guilt over and over and over. Um, the shit we can't change. Yes. And then, you know, a guy like me is such a guilty conscience all the time. I spend my life beating up on myself instead of, and actually, man, I just saw a thing the other day. Let me look this up. Cause this actually held me. Yeah. I screenshotted this years ago and didn't realize I did. And it's been sitting on my phone and it says praiseworthy is the person who is higher than his sins and not that his sins are higher than he. Ah, I like that. I've been living the other way. Right. Like I'll, I'll, I'll beat up myself for two days over something I did in seventh grade. Right. Instead of the the good stuff that we're doing and how many veterans were were helping lift up and athletes were lifting up and now kids and and parents and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives. But I think about the bad stuff. I literally just saw that the other day. I screenshot of this October tenth, two thousand two, put it in my favorites in my pictures and didn't realize it until this week, and saw it. And I was like, man. So again, that that's like I'm constantly looking for those things. Um, to, to help be proactive, like I said, and coach myself up. But that's one of the problems we have is we, we focus on the bad shit. We ruminate when we're, when we're left to our own devices. It's, of it's, our, right. Of it's our like default, forward. right? It's like our default. It's like our default yeah. setting. We go to the negative. Let me, let me ask you this. Like there are people. So even if somebody's not going to say, Hey, you're a wuss, you're a wuss because no one's going to say it to your face anyway. But even if they don't think it, it doesn't mean Jay that they necessarily right away, get it right. Or understand it. For instance, right. in the book, you talk about how you tried to explain to Sean McVay, and this is a very good guy and a very reasonable guy, what it's like to live in the gray. Like, did he get it? What was his response? Oh, that's why. He, so this is why he's great. Credit to him. He wanted to learn about it. And that's how I describe the gray in the book. And it, it was, you know, Jim, it was the trip last year. The, the true backstory of this is him and Andrew Whitworth went down to Cabo. I just broke up with my girlfriend. They didn't want me isolating. So Whitworth got me a room. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to know. He's like, Jay, we got you a room. And I'm like, nah, they're like, what are you going to do? Just sit home. Like, let's go. 
So the next day I woke up and I'm like, you guys sure? They're like, yeah, we got you a room. So I said, I'm going to come. All right, fine. And then McVeigh was supposed to leave. And he's like, well, if Glazer's going to come, then I'll stay. Hmm. That's the trip that Matthew Stafford, Stafford happened <laughs> to check in our hotel the next day. The Cabo trip. Literally. The Cabo trip. How crazy is that? Like, that's really what happened. So Whitworth ends up getting, you know, has like dinner over at his little place, got a chef in. Freaking McVeigh and, and Stafford fall in love with each other. And by then, Stafford was allowed to go seek a trade. And I, I raised a toast after the trade was done. I was like, you know, my ex-girlfriend's name is Rosie Tennyson, who's one of my close friends. The Tennyson twins were the, the Doublemint twins back in the day. Huh. Um, and uh, and uh, I said, Rosie Tennyson, because if we didn't break up, I wouldn't be down here. <laughs> McVeigh would have left. You, t- you guys wouldn't have fallen in love with each other. <laughs> we raised another toast after they won the Super Bowl. So... The night before Stafford, which is so that's the, the funny backstory of this. Um, but the night before all this, we're having dinner, and Sean is like, Man, so explain to me, you just wake up like sad? I'm like, Yeah, he's like, Why? I'm like, Because I have depression, dickhead. He's like, Obviously, thanks. <laughs> right? And I said, Sean, think of how much better of a coach you'll be if you can understand this. And Whitworth is there, and Andrew's like, Sean, you got to get us. And he's like, Wait, you too? And Andrew's like, of course, what do you think gets me to put a helmet on and when I'm 40 years of age and just smash my head into people over and over and over? Of course. Wow. Like wow. I'm fucked up too. Wow. And so Sean says, well, how many of my players think you ha- have it? I said, that's not the question you need to ask yourself. How many of your players, your coaches, your secretaries, your ball boys? Your team. Your, your team, Everybody. right? Your team, your whole team. Yes. I said, but Sean, you need to learn it so you could be more vulnerable. So you could lean on other people. Because, man, leaders leaders got to take care of everybody else, but who takes care of the leaders? And sure enough, man, this year, November, they go through a stretch where they don't want a game. And and Sean talked about this Super Bowl week. I got him. He really did lean on me and the mental health part of it. Got him to speak to someone. Um, he leaned on some of his players, which he really wanted done in the past. He was very vulnerable with them. And he credits it. He's like, man, I, I'm glad I learned about this more so he didn't walk this walk alone he was really walking this walk with people more and it certainly made him a better coach but they overcame it all and they ended up winning the super bowl so sean himself has been kind of leading the charge we were just down at the owners meeting he was telling all these other coaches about it so they could start getting vulnerable they could start kind of getting a better grasp because again too they've got to be on up they got to solve everybody else's problems but who takes care of them so that was a pretty damn cool thing man for for him, you know, and I walked away from a table and two guys, Bill Richards and Kurt Menefee, are, you know, with Fox, Bill's our producer and Kurt is our host slash therapist. I walked away and I came back. I was like, what are y'all talking about? And they're like, Sean was just telling all these. I always, every year I'll gather like 15 head coaches and we'll kind of day drink. And he's like, Sean just was telling all these guys. And it's, uh, it's pretty damn cool when people talk behind your back and it's really good stuff like that. I don't, I, I, gee, I don't know what part of that I like best. The part that, you know, you actually were able to get through to him. So now he's become a messenger and he's a part of that conversation or the part when he said, wait, so you wake up sad like most mornings and you said, yes. And he said, well, I don't get it. Why? And you said, because I'm depressed dickhead. I love that too, but that's how I talk, man. It's I, the hey, best. I am who it's I the am, best. Man, you know, that's, and that's nah. what, you know, the only, it's so funny because every review of the book is amazing. And then you'll have these ones that scatter going, I can't believe this guy uses such foul language. 
And I'm like, first fuck of them. All, fuck God, them. God How me about that? God judges me on my heart, my soul, not my language. But B, ain't nothing pretty about this shit. So yeah, I'm going to use the fucking words that it des- deserves to, to be used. It's not a pretty dressed up thing. It's fucking raw and real. And that's how I'm going to talk about it. And, you know, I hope people can forgive the language. But again, it, this is so I can have these conversations. I want to have the real line that I use with Sean McVay. Yeah, dickhead. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I told Sean too, I said, Sean, you don't get it because you're like a, your life, like the worst thing that ever happened to you. You're like a fucking nightlight. The worst thing ever happened to you is you didn't win the Super Bowl as your second year as head coach. You know, as the youngest head coach in the history of the NFL. And your parents look like the people in picture frames that you get from Target. Like, are you shitting me? Right. Like, 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 how's that? How's that grab you, dickhead? (laughs) Totally. And by the way, and and the cool thing, too, is his parents and I have had really deep conversations about it. So it's like he and his fiance and I like. He's really been a great messenger for this. He really has. I'm listen. I'm I'm proud of him for him winning the Super Bowl. I'm more proud of him for being vulnerable when he's now he's never had a life of, of, of vulnerability. I mean, Jay, I can only imagine. Like, and even The Rock. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did The Rock, in writing the forward for the book, also not say you will become the official voice for the Gray? Yeah, he said you're going to be a voice for all of us in the Gray. All right, so imagine imagine yeah. being the guy that cannot figure out how to love himself that is changing the world himself. Yeah. You're going to have to reconcile that, my guy. Like, hey, that's what I'm working on. With dude, it's therapist. okay. You I'm Not only can you like you, you can love me. you, man. I, I appreciate it. I, I know and, you and don't need my permission, but like what I mean, for all the things that you've accomplished in this amazing life, and I and I really do I don't understand understand, but I understand kind of, but I do understand this concept of, hey man, I'm not saying I don't have an amazing life. I have an amazing life and I've worked hard to create an amazing life, but my life between my ears is kind of fucked up and I'm working yes. on that too. I yes. get that also. And I am a work in progress. Like, listen, I gotta have faith I'm gonna get there one day. I don't know what day it's gonna be. But, you know, I have a saying in the book, like, you never know what lies around next Tuesday. I'm Le- to leave leave, leave us with that before you go, because I wanted to ask you about that. That's You say that yeah. a lot. I don't know what lies around next Tuesday. What do you mean by that? So, man, it was a Tuesday afternoon um, that my agent called me and said, you finally got a full-time job. You, you know, there's, look, my, my co-author, Sarah um, Tomlinson, um, the only reason I chose her is because she overcame cancer. And I didn't tell her this until it was the last chapter of this book. I, w- I didn't send the, la- the, the last chapter in with the rest of the chapters. I waited to the very last day of deadline or anything. And I sent it in and literally in there, I'm trying not to cry here as I say it. But the thing was like, Sarah, I know you having cancer sucked. Like I know it was terrible, but if you didn't, I wouldn't have chosen you. And this has become her thing now. It's also, she's obviously carrying this torch for mental health and she was so proud. So, man, I know it sucked at the time, but you never know what lies around next Tuesday. One day you overcome cancer. One day you get that that book that you've dreamed. And she's a New York Times bestselling author, but you get that book that you dreamed of where you could really help out other people. That's what I mean about you never know what lies around next Tuesday. You never know when your life is going to change. Like every week, so I was saying like in my journey, I get a fresh start. Every week we got a brand new Tuesday that our dreams may come true. We may find love. We may find inner peace. We may find that job. Uh, we may have a moment with our kids. You just never know what lies around next Tuesday, but that's why we got to hang on. 
That's why we can't make that decision. Like life is about our decisions. Life and death, you gotta choose life. Because man, at one point, there's gonna be a really damn good Tuesday around the corner. Hmm. That's why you gotta be unbreakable and relentless. The book is called Unbreakable, How to Turn Depression and Anxiety into Motivation. And you can too. Gee, I have to assume you can get that book wherever there are books, but where can they get the book? Yeah, wherever you got, <laughs> Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you want. Target, uh, yeah, that's, again, let's keep, and, and what I want people to do also here is get the book and then share it with other people. Share, like be of service. That's one of my things. There's three three things in this book, how to get through the gray. One of us having a team and there's several examples in there of that. One is being of service and there's several examples of that. One is laughter. That's what I use all the time to get out of my panic attacks. But, you know, being of service, you can take things that you learn in this book and then teach others, coach others, pass it along to others. Um, and that's how we start a movement. We could change. We could, we could really listen to change. And the book is really good about breaking down all three of those concepts. You know what, Jay, I got to say, man, now I know why as I sat, well, I mean, I knew why, but now I really know why as I sat with my guy, Ed Milet, he's like, no, 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 no. You need to talk to Glazer as soon as possible. And you need to put him <laughs> on your podcast as soon as possible. Because although I knew it was going to be good, Jay, it was even so much better than that. My man, I am so glad you and I came together like that. I think it's absolutely amazing. I, I, I am absolutely fired up. I have so much positive energy. I can only imagine how many people you're going to help worldwide, not with this conversation, but with every conversation you're having. You're absolutely awesome, man. Really appreciate it. Man, I appreciate it so much. And again, you and I have been great for so long. Every Super Bowl, I stop off to your show, right? And man, I'm always pitching something here and there. Now I guess I'm pitching, but not really. I'm just trying to, you know, again, kind of put us all in one big fucking cool ass team together. I no, really man. appreciate it, dude. No, dude you're, you're just pitching yeah, life, anywhere dude. Else, dude, dude you, anywhere else you need to spread this, man, let me know. Enormous thanks to my guy, Jake Glazer. It is not at all easy to be that honest and that vulnerable about a struggle that is that intensely personal. An intense struggle because Jay has pretty much hit it from almost everybody in his entire life for his entire life. But I'm so glad now that he's opening up the way he is and that he carved out that kind of time for the original side hustle because real, raw, and unfiltered conversations are what this podcast is all about. And it does not get any more real or raw or unfiltered or, again, critical than the chat we just had. So much respect and appreciation to Jay for that. If you're interested in more conversations similar to that one, I've got great news for you because we are churning out a brand new ep on the weekly, like episode 217, which is going to hit next week. While you wait, check out any of the 200 plus we already have banked. You can't go wrong because they are all worth the listen. I am really proud of that catalog. In the meantime, if you would, consider subscribing too. That way, every single new episode will find its way to you, and you will not have to go looking for it. As always, thank you very much for making time and for listening, and I leave you now with your voicemails. First new message. What's up, man? It's Mac. It's Brady. So my six-year-old's been singing Jap Sugar, and now the kids are talking about getting a pet rabbit, and I'm worried about what they're going to name it. So that means I've got to come up with either a name they like better or an alternate explanation of what Shaft Sugar is. So we'll see what happens. Message saved. Next message. Romy! Justin in Melbourne. My boys from the Berg are in town, and we're getting ready to go out of Port Canaveral on the five-hour casino cruise boat. So I was just calling to see if maybe I can get a little bit of jungle karma to make that action happen. Thanks, bro.
Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim. Rob from Reno. So I just got back from the gym, and guess who was sitting in the jacuzzi with me? One of the best 80s pitchers, Dave Steed. And, dude, it was such a great conversation. Did you know that he pitched back-to-back no-hitters that were lost with two outs in the ninth? And he also said that there's a documentary coming out about him, and I thought he would be a really compelling guest for your podcast. Message deleted. Next message. Jim Rome, this is Larry in Berkeley, adding a little legal color to the church choir. Dude, you cancel your show, you are going to pay those promoters a hefty fine under any standard concert contract. And yet, this guy's able to withdraw, and he's able to tweet and email proudly about it. You know what that means, Jim? It means he wrote it into the deal. If my Carolina Tar Heels make the Final Four, I'm gone. The stones on this guy. Love it. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim, what's up? This is David from Buffalo calling in. I got to say this, man. Everybody's talking about how the Nets are a threat in the East, how all these other teams like Miami or the Bulls could be the team that win the East. I mean, there's even talk about Philly because of the move they made to get Harden. But the bottom line is this. Until somebody can knock off Milwaukee, they're still the champs. Giannis is still a beast, and they've got great outside shooting. And Buttonholzer is an underrated coach. I mean, to quote Ric Flair, to be the man, you've got to beat the man. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. Romy, Justin, and Melbourne, just doing a follow-up to my previous call about some jungle karma when we were on a gambling boat. Two of my buddies up five cheats playing craps. Me and my other buddy up two hundred playing blackjack. The jungle karma works. Message saved. Next message. Good morning, Rome. Hello. I thought I'd just share some of the birds we have here in the morning since you like that peaceful serenity. So here's a little listen. Have a great week, Jim. Message deleted. You have no more messages.